Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Well, this evening we're going to continue in our study, uh, our Wednesday night study of the book of Revelation. Last week we kind of got a, a introduction to this whole section of uh, the, the destruction, the downfall of Babylon. And chapter 18, this whole next section is 24 verses long. Uh, it is chapter 18, uh, basically the entirety of, of uh, chapter 18. And it deals with the destruction of Babylon. Uh, and basically chapter 17 was kind of the setup of, of the preliminary events before the destruction and kind of the heralding of the destruction that was coming. And in chapter 18, we see the actual destruction of Babylon. And what is this all about? Uh, Babylon, why are they uh, being destroyed? Why is it that, that we are seeing and witnessing it? Why is it that it's important for us to understand uh, this destruction of Babylon? How does it relate to Israel? How does it relate to us? Why is it important for us to know about it and all these things? Well, I hope that in our study of Revelation, you've kind of gotten the picture and the understanding. Now, let me just remind you again that uh, Babylon is a uh, metaphor for uh, uh, several things. Uh, Babylon, uh, in the mind of the Israelite, was all of those people outside of Israel that were uh, seeking to do harm to the people of Israel. Babylon is the uh, metaphorical image of those who are outside of Israel, the, the Gentiles, those who uh, are uh, have done harm to Israel and have uh, caused Israel to, uh, to see its downfall. In, ba- uh, in the history of Israel, uh, Babylon and... Uh, uh, well before Jesus Christ came was the nation that came and and besieged Israel and uh, and took the children of Israel off into captivity. Uh, this is during the time of uh, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. All these uh, different prophets that are in the Old Testament. Uh, uh, this is hundreds of years B.C. before Christ. And it's the time in which Israel is is not in the promised land. They're out in captivity. This is the time... You remember, the read through the book of Daniel. And this is all about... The book of Daniel is all about the children of Israel being taken to Babylon. Daniel being one of the princes from Israel, uh, from one of the houses of influence being taken to Israel. Uh, Israel, uh, uh, the children of Israel were taken up there uh, because this was how they controlled the people that they 
conquered. They take the people, all the choice people, all the great people, all the good people, and the learned people, and they take them to uh, other nations that they've conquered and to Babylon itself, indoctrinate them there, take some of their people in Babylon and move them into the conquered nation, This, in this instance, Israel being the, that nation. And basically, it, it's a form and, and a way of uh, uh, incorporating them into your nation so that if they become enough like the, the Babylonians, Israel and the other nations that they conquered won't desire to rise up and conquer Babylon and go back home and and reestablish their nation. And so uh, in the book of Daniel, we see Daniel uh, and his uh, uh, friends there uh, being taken to Babylon along with uh, many other young people that from the choice uh, families of Israel and they're being indoctrinated. They're be- and, and Daniel spends his whole life in Babylon. Okay? So Babylon is seen as this great evil because they came and they overtook Israel, destroyed the first temple, uh, the temple of David. Uh, and later, though, we see that uh, Rome comes and does the same thing after the children of Israel come back to Israel and, and come back to repopulate the, the, uh, uh, the nation uh, This is when uh, the wall is rebuilt, the temple is rebuilt, and the people of Israel come back to Israel. Uh, They're there for uh, a couple of generations, and then the Roman government come in and overtake uh, Israel along with a lot of other nations. And this is uh, during the time of Jesus. uh, And afterwards, uh, they come in, and before, uh, they come in, they... uh, uh, overtake Israel, and they uh, during Jesus' day, their Israel uh, Israel is occupied by the the Roman uh, army and and that kind of thing. So Babylon in uh, the Book of Revelation is seen as first of all the great evil that came and destroyed Israel uh, hundreds of years before. Rome is also associated with Babylon. <clears throat> And so Babylon is a symbol for anyone who has done wrong towards Israel and has caused Israel's destruction. Uh, Babylon is seen as this great evil. And so as a result, when God comes to bring uh, deliverance to the people of Israel and comes to bring a judgment for all the evil of the world, we see that Babylon is the focus of that uh, judgment, the focus of that destruction, the focus of that uh, overtaking. And basically Babylon is the image, the symbol of all those who've done wrong that God is finally bringing destruction to. And and Israel's kind of sitting back and watching this whole scene of Babylon being destroyed and so we see this image of, of Babylon being destroyed in chapter 18. And uh, let me just read a couple of verses here to kind of give you a sense of what it is. It says, And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lighted uh, with the, his glory. 
And he cried mightily with the strong voice, saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen, and is becoming the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye may be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached into heaven and have... Uh, hath uh, remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works. And the cup which she hath filled, filled to her double. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously, so that torment and sorrow give her. For she saith uh, in her heart, I sit a queen and am no uh, widow and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her, and the king of the earth who have committed fornication and lived uh, deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. I'm going to stop there because it just keeps going and going and going. And so what does this all have to do with us today? And what does it have to do with the future? And why is it that it's important that we understand what's going on here? Well, for the Israelite, they see this Babylon that's being destroyed and that God is bringing His judgment. This is in the mind of every Israelite throughout the Bible and throughout history who's talked about the great day of the Lord. This is the image that they have in their mind. They think of all the enemies of Israel, all the people that have done Israel wrong, all the ones who have have besieged Israel and caused Israel harm, they see this as the great day of the Lord. And this is a description of the great day of the Lord, of great judgment that's coming upon the enemies of Israel. But what does that have to do with us? Well, for us, it, uh, Babylon is not a symbolic a group of people. It's not a nation that's besieged us, and it certainly doesn't represent Rome to us in that we don't understand uh, why would this have significant to us. Well, here's the significance. Uh, God is bringing judgment upon all of those who have uh, done not just wrong to Israel, but has done wrong to the people of God. And Babylon is not just a symbol of those who have done something against the, uh, a geographic nation of people and, uh, that have throughout history seen all of those who've done wrong to them and have hated them and have waited and pined for the day that God would bring judgment upon them. It's kind of like the, Isra- uh, like the Jewish people uh, seeing 
Just think of the, the Israelites looking at Babylon the same way a Jewish person after World War II thinking about Hitler and the Nazis and uh, uh, Nazi Germany. Uh, they nearly decimated the people of uh, 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 the Jewish uh, people living in Europe and and anyone that was in the scope of of the of the uh, Nazi uh, Germany uh, was in jeopardy of losing their life, and so uh, they hated Babylon, they hated Rome, they hated anyone who was doing something against them. And for the Christian today, and for the person today living and seeing this, what does this have to do with us? Well, for us, it has to do with those people that uh, the people of the world. Babylon is not uh, uh, for us is equals. You, know, you could put Babylon and write uh, an equals mark and say you know the world. And basically, Babylon represents in this chapter eighteen uh, the world that would seek to draw Christians away from God. People that, uh, and society and, and that which is, is secular, those things that, that cause uh, Christians to sin. And, and look, this is not just some harebrained theory. I'll show you. Uh, if you go back to verse 1, it said, uh, let's just look, uh, pick out a few things that, that help us to understand this. In verse 1 it says, uh, and after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven. So this is the phrase another angel causes us to understand that this is a continuation of the events that are happening in chapter 17, a continuation of God pouring out His judgment upon uh, uh, Babylon. And uh, it is a judgment coming from God. Uh, we see that even more by the fact that it says this angel is coming down from heaven having great power and the earth was lightened with his glory. Throughout the Bible, nowhere in the Bible does it indicate an angel that has such great power and great uh, light. Now we see angels being beings that have the brilliance of the glory of God. We see the encounters with angels uh, all throughout the New Testament in which it describes them as, as having clothing of lightning and being bright and everything. In my opinion, uh, the reason that they are of such brilliance is because these angels are in the presence of God. Uh, they are continually in the presence of God, worshiping God, continually serving God. And we see in the Old Testament where Moses encounters God on the mount, and when he comes down, it says that his face is very bright and brilliant, and the people of uh, Israel ask him to cover his face because his brilliance, uh, the brilliance of God, the glory of God, is shining off of his face. And that's just with Moses being next to God for a very short uh, period of time, a very brief period of time. Um, and so I, I believe that these angels are, uh, as, are indicated as very bright and brilliant, and we even see that at... 
the narrative surrounding the birth of Jesus. Where did the, what does it say about the angels that encounter the shepherds in the field? The night sky was lit bright by their presence. Uh, and and it lit the night as day. And, and uh, so we see the great brilliance of these angels that even at uh, the tomb when uh, Jesus uh, uh, rose from the grave and uh, the people came to anoint the body of Jesus with, with spices and they discover the tomb being opened and they, there's the presence of angels there. And it says that the angels are uh, bright and brilliant and have uh, brilliant clothing, clothing on. And all of this indicates uh, their uh, closeness to the very presence of God. But never does it say that it's so bright that it fills the whole earth. That kind of language is always reserved for God always reserved for the very presence in the, of God. And so this is, is significant in the description of this angel. It is an angel also in verse 2, and it says, And he cried with a strong voice. Never throughout, uh, throughout the Bible, never is there a, an angel that has this loud voice. The loud voice is always reserved for a descriptor of God. So what does this say? Is this God? Is this uh, Jesus Christ? I I don't really feel as though it is. Uh, Instead, though, I think and I believe that this is an indication that this angel that is bringing this uh, judgment is bringing the judgment of God, that He is speaking uh, with the uh, power and the might of God behind his ju- uh, behind what He is doing. And what He is doing is bringing about God's judgment. He is bringing about the power and the might of God upon Babylon because of um, the great uncleanly uncleanness of Babylon and the, the the punishment that's coming. What does he say? Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, is become the habitation of devils and uh, and the hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. He says that Babylon has become a preserve for every type of unclean and hateful bird. It is an illusion of Babylon as a heap of ruins, uh, a habitation of jackals and a horror and hissing without inhabitation. This is all a reminiscence of what's found in Jeremiah chapter 51 verse, uh, verse 37 and Jeremiah 9 verse 11 in which there is a, a description of the destruction of Babylon. And it's a, I believe that that is a... Uh, a uh, in Jeremiah, it is a, a prophecy of what is happening here in Revelation. Trajan... Uh, uh, visited Babylon in 115 A.D., and he found that Babylon was largely deserted, mainly consisting of mounds and stones, uh, mounds of stones and ruins. And so, the very historical Babylon was destroyed and did fall apart. Uh, Daniel in 
the book of Daniel even has a vision of uh, what is coming. And, and I think uh, the book of, of Daniel and Revelation is very connected. The, the vision that Daniel has towards the end of his uh, uh, the book of Daniel is very connected to what is happening here in the book of Revelation. And, and Daniel says that there's going to be uh, several different kingdoms and he, he uh, prophesies to the king and talks about all these different kingdoms that's going to come. And he says uh, the, the dream of the king was that he had, there was a, a, a very large uh, figure uh, and the head was gold and the chest was silver and the uh, legs were iron and, and clay, uh, the feet were iron and clay and the uh, legs were iron and, and he's talking about five different generations and he's talking about the coming destruction of Babylon uh, uh, through the various generations of those who would uh, follow that great king, uh, uh, Belshazzar. And so uh, we see that. And then afterwards, Daniel has a dream of his own uh, that scares him. He says that he made him pale. And I believe that he's seeing uh, visions of the end of time, uh, visions of what is happening here in Revelation, of a uh, vision of... Uh, he describes it as a... a uh, uh, a ram that comes with two horns and is great, powerful, and and a sheep is risen up, and uh, he uh, the sheep uh, comes and overpowers the ram, and uh, then this the sheep has a horn that that breaks off, and four horns come out of it, and another horn sprouts from one of the horns, and all of this is all pointing to the end of time and the uh the vision that he sees here uh, the seas is is pointing to the destruction of babylon and this is that destruction and so uh and jeremiah talks about it daniel talks about it look at verse 3 for all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. What in the world is that all about? Well, and throughout the Scripture, any time that there is talk of fornication, uh, especially with a foreign uh, entity like this, uh, now remember... We're talking about Babylon as being the great evil for the Israelite. Babylon now being for us, any uh, the rest of the world, the, that the world that influences Christians. And so what we're talking about here in terms of fornication, every time God uh, uses that kind of language in the Bible, it's, it's talking about the worship of foreign gods. It, Israel was, was alluded to as committing uh, uh, fornication uh, and and that is all uh, related to uh, times in which Israel has gone astray and followed after foreign idols. Um, and so uh, in verse 3 we see uh, several times in which the author uses the word for. For all nations have drunk and uh, it, it goes and, and says, uh, verse 5, For her sins have 
uh, reached unto the heavens. Each time there is a four, it indicates an introduction of reasons for the destruction of Babylon. The subsequent fours are statements that are the negative influences of uh, Babylon on other nations. And so, uh, and it, it talks about how. Uh, she has caused other kings to drink her wine and committed fornications. Uh, this is all related to uh, the world causing not just Israel, but uh, Christians in general to, to fall away into sin, to, to be involved in sinful behavior, to be involved in sin, uh, sinful practices that have caused uh, the people of God to fall away from their relationship to God and have caused uh, uh, not just the Israelites, but all, all that follow after God uh, to be seduced by the, power, uh, the lure of sinful behavior. Uh, you know, you you think about uh, the pull and the temptation of sin, the draw of sin, and uh, it, it doesn't have to be just fornication or, or adultery or or whatever, however you want to look at it in terms of what's being put here. Sin is sin, and sin lures and pulls us away from our relationship to God, and and and. The author here is using uh, fornication as an allusion to the draw that it has uh, on Christians to fall away from their relationship to God. And it says that uh, they, they're like sailors that have uh, gotten rich off of her uh, through abundance of her delicacies. Uh, sinfulness is not just a, a, a draw and allure of the, the sensual nature, but uh, sinfulness is also uh, a draw for those who who desire to have more. Uh, uh, the desire to have uh, things and possessions is covetousness, and it relates to desiring to have what somebody else has. Covetousness is the desire to do anything and everything necessary to gain what someone else has, whether it's through uh, deception, whether it's through uh, um, uh, destruction and taking of uh, forcefully taking of someone else's or uh, things, or being obsessed with uh, you know, working and earning money in order to have things. Uh, uh, these things are all draws drawing us away from God. And uh, the Bible here is talking about Babylon, that which is causing us to, to fall away from God, to, be, to being judged and to being uh, uh, destroyed. Fornication with her in this particular uh, verse, as I said, is talking about Israel's faithless behavior through uh, frequent lapses into idolatry. Uh, and uh, this use of the marriage metaphor ha has uh, bearing not just on Israel, but everyone, uh, all Christians, all those who follow after God. Uh, uh, hostility to uh, this, this hostility to the rich in, in this verse uh, uh, is, is any uh, activity that is... Uh, in order to to gouge the poor, 
and that also equals uh, the wrongly impoverishing of of those who uh, are are not involved in the immoral behavior. It leads back to uh, the whole concept of covetousness. Look at verse 4. It says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out from her, uh, uh, come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. Now this is a call for the people of God to to leave the uh, the their involvement uh, with Babylon in this context, uh, basically to come out of the sinfulness that they're being involved in. It's a call of the people of God to come out of the immorality of the world and to, uh, to distance themselves from the immorality that they find all around them. It's to disentangle uh, themselves and to distance themselves from the uh, morally and the perhaps even socially uh, uh, corrupt and seductive influences of uh, the world upon them. He says, my people, this is uh, uh, another reference back to the fact that this angel is speaking on behalf of God uh, or Jesus Himself. And verse 5, her sins have uh, reached into heaven, it says, uh, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Uh, this is a uh, metaphor for the fact that uh, that the sinfulness of this uh, of Babylon, the sinfulness of the world, is is heaping up and has has caused uh, a uh, a proverbial uh, stench in heaven of the sinfulness of the world. And so we're seeing over and over and over again this uh, verbiage and this this wording that is indicating that the people of God are being called to distance themselves from the world, to back away from the world, because the world, all that that has caused sinful behavior, all that that has uh, caused the lure to uh, those followers of God to not be faithful to God, uh, that the world is coming to uh, judgment from God. And, and it goes on and on and on about the judgment of God and how God is, uh, is bringing about this judgment. But it's, it's a message not just of the judgment of God. It's a call to the people of God to distance themselves from the sinful behavior of the world. It's a call for the people of God to distance themselves from the practices and the, uh, the activities of the world. It's, it's a, a message for the people of God that, that though uh, p- sinful people at times have been seen as, uh, as doing all this stuff that uh, these things of the world, sinful behavior, all of these things that, that, that God has warned us not to do and getting away with it, having a fun time doing it, getting rich and wealthy and having everything they always wanted and all the things that, uh, that we've always wanted to do and to have and to, and to, to be, and yet uh, God has warned us not to do it and calls us to and, and says don't do that, those kind of things. The judgment of God is coming upon 
the world for all of those things. And we need to understand uh, that the lure that the world has upon us is dangerous and we need to distance ourselves from uh, the world and to, to cause ourselves not to be entangled and allow our, and not to allow ourselves to be uh, 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 ensnared by the lure of the world. And so uh, this is a beginning. This is just the start of an understanding of what the judgment of God is upon uh, again, while this is, is saying it is the judgment of Babylon, it is God's judgment upon the sinful uh, world that is, has dominated the lives of, uh, uh, or dominated the world uh, for some time. And so we see God's judgment coming upon the world. And we're going to continue to look at that. But it, it, it's a call for Christians. It's a call for me and you. Not to allow ourselves to be uh, enticed by the sins of the world, to be enticed by uh, Satan and, and his pull to pull us away from God, but rather to be faithful to God. Because in the end, the destruction of sin, the destruction of the world is coming. And that's what this is pointing to. And uh, above all, this is a demonstration of God's righteousness. God will not allow uh, sin uh, to continue on. It is a clear message that God's judgment is uh, because He is righteous and He He will not allow sin to continue on. And His, uh, His delay in bringing about this judgment. Why does God allow... You know, why doesn't God just... You know, uh, you, you think of the uh, proverbial uh, Christian parent that when their child sins, they slap them or, or they spank them or they punish them right away because they don't want them to do any of that stuff. Well, why didn't God do that with us? The reason that God doesn't stop or halt or prevent the world from being in its sinful behavior is because of God's grace, God's mercy. In the midst of all of this destruction, this is a message of God's love and God's grace, His mercy. Because remember, this is a warning. Remember, John is seeing something that will happen. And so God is, has given the world from the time of John and His vision until today and until the day in which He brings about this judgment a grace period a time in which we can turn away from the world, turn away from the sinfulness of the world, turn away from the destructiveness of sinful behavior. And so we need to remember that throughout this time as we study this. This is not just a uh, uh, smash them up, shoot them up, bang, bang type movie that, that the kids seem to enjoy uh, so much nowadays just for the enjoyment of seeing things blow up and destroy and all that. That's not what this is. This is not what, you know, this is not just for our uh, 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 twisted uh, 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 entertainment of seeing things being blown up or or seeing the bully being uh, knocked down or anything like that. No, this is an image of the God, uh, God of grace and mercy 
demonstrating His love, to see that we have the opportunity knowing that uh, punishment is coming. You know, when you're a little kid and you've been left alone by your parents and you've gotten into some uh, bad behavior, you might have done a few, you know, you might have gone and jumped on the bed when your parents told you you couldn't jump on the bed anytime you did that because mom and dad weren't home and maybe you uh, 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 went to the refrigerator and drank straight from the milk jug when mama always tells you, no, you got to use a glass. But but what happens when you start to hear mom and daddy pulling into the driveway? Well, you put the milk jug away real quick. You straighten out the bed and you get you get everything set because you know that mom and daddy are coming and you don't want to be found out to be doing all the bad stuff. And more importantly, you don't want to receive punishment. This is God giving us a warning that He's coming and that His punishment is there for those who do wrong. And His grace and mercy is is that He knows all along that we've been doing these things. And He's giving us an opportunity to return to Him and to seek forgiveness, to seek His love, and to live and to do right. And this is a clarion call to us that the wicked, the immoral, will be judged. Do we want to be a part of those who are judged for their wickedness and immorality? Or do we want to be on the side of righteous and the, and the righteousness of God? And for me, I want to be on God's side, not on the world's side. Now, I, it doesn't matter how much fun they uh, claim that they're having. I want to be on God's side because the judgment of God is far worse, in my opinion, than any joy that might be gained from doing wrong. And I hope and pray that that's your choice as well. Let's join together for prayer. Dear gracious Father God, we pray that You would help and be with us as we uh, study Your Word. Help us to see Your love. Help us to see Your grace. Help us to see Your mercy uh, throughout Scripture, even in the times where it looks bleak for the people of this world. Lord, we pray that You would help us to understand that that is a warning. It's a warning sign. Lord, it's a, it's a call for us to be actively reaching out to the lost because that destruction comes for them. Even though we might be saved and we might be redeemed, there are people all around us that are still lost. Help us, Lord, to share the, uh, the dire warning that You give us. And Lord, help us to share uh, the love and the grace uh, that You've extended toward us as well. That they too might enjoy Your forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.